I want to share with you a thought today that's going to be built around um, giving thanks to the Lord. And we're going to do that out of Psalm 92. That says Psalm 104. We're going to do it out of Psalm 92. But when you look at that slide, what's it remind you of? Thanksgiving, right? It's kind of like Hallmark does this Christmas in July stuff. You know, some of you like that. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. But when I was thinking about thankfulness here for today, we tend to make a lot of that around Thanksgiving. Right? Does anybody know uh, when is Thanksgiving Day this year? It's a Thursday. Does anybody happen to know what the date is? Somebody pull your phone out and tell us what's... What's the, what'd you say? The 22nd? So Thursday, November 22nd will be um, Thanksgiving, the day of Thanksgiving. Okay? Now, I think they're wrong. <laughs> you guys are like, it is the 22nd. And I'm just setting you up here, alright? So just go along with me. And this is probably a horrible setup, but... Does anybody know when the first Thanksgiving took place? What year? Ah. So if you Google that, what you'll find in this country anyway, it was November 1621. November 1621 is like the, the first kind of faint documents that let us know about a Thanksgiving day in this country. But Thanksgiving Day started way before that, Right? That having a day of thanks started even way before our text that we're going to look in today in Psalm 92. So it, it's perfectly okay to have a calendar day that we set aside to give thanks. But I really believe that today is the day of thanksgiving. Right? November 22nd will be fine. Kind of like Mother's Day or Father's Day. You know, you honor your mother and father. That's a commandment all year long. It's not just on those two dates. We may highlight it then. Uh, but today is the day of thanksgiving. We just sang about it, right? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say, this is the day, right? This is the day. And so today is the day of thanksgiving. So to me, this was kind of fitting. You know, sometimes you can get, I can get, in the spirit of thanksgiving, I can be thankful, but when you're outside of the season, sometimes your mind may not think so much about being thankful. And so try to put some colors there to maybe make it a little bit uh, similar. But hopefully this will resonate maybe in a new way today or a fresh way, thinking about giving thanks to the Lord. So this is the day, and I will rejoice, the psalmist said, and be glad in, in this day. So Psalm 92 is where we're going to go. We're going to read the whole psalm. It's only about 15 verses, and each verse is pretty short. But at the heading of that psalm, what your uh, Bible might tell you is that this was a song that was to be sung. Now, we don't know the melody of the song. We don't know how it was sung or if it was chanted. We do see a couple instruments that were associated with it. And we see as well that it was sung on the Sabbath. It was a Sabbath song. So this was something that they would sing to remind themselves of regularly of how good it is to give thanks to the Lord. And so that's really what we're going to focus on today. How good it is to give thanks. What that looks like. Why we do it. When we do it. Uh, those sorts of things as it relates to, to our text here. So 
Hey, first day of the week is always a good day for me. It's good to gather with you guys. It's good to be reminded of what's true as you set out on your week and maybe your agenda. It's just good to have index there at the front of my mind. This week is about the Lord and this week is about his kingdom and it's about his mission. And whatever I'm doing needs to work to accomplish that, to honor him. And if I'm distracted, then I need to let God redirect my attention here this morning. All right, so Psalm 92 uh, you can follow along either in your Bible or on the wall here today, all right? It says it's good to praise the Lord. Some of your Bibles may say it's good to give thanks to the Lord, make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord, and I sing for joy at what your hands have done. You might remember a song that was sung years ago, Shout to the Lord, Right? That's the line is taken directly out of this song. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Verse 5. How great are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts. Senseless people, they don't know. Fools don't understand that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evil doers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, you are forever exalted. For surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish and all evil doers will be scattered. You've exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. And fine oils have been poured on me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. And my ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. And they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no wickedness in him. And so here today we want to draw our attention to giving thanks to the Lord. And what that looks like. And when we do it and why we do it. What it actually means to do that very thing. Alright, so a few things we'll highlight as we make our way particularly through the first five verses here. Uh, highlighting also verse 14 uh, later here this morning. So let's begin here. Be Talking about giving thanks to God. Giving thanks to God is going to be something we're going to say it's right, it's privileged, and it is satisfying. It's right, it's privileged, and it is it's satisfying. So the psalmist initially says, listen, you know, know what's good? It's good to give thanks to the Lord. That's, that's what is good for us to do. Now, as is the case often in the English language, to interpret the original language requires multiple words to try to capture the meaning or significance or what was uh, intended in that single word. So we translate it good, but it can also be translated right, privileged, or, and or satisfying. So let's go back again. Verse 1 says, It is good to praise the Lord, or it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to make music to your name, O Most High. So let's look at each one of these words, all right, connected to the word good, right, privileged, and satisfying, and try to understand further what it means to say that it is good to, to give thanks to the Lord. So initially to say it's right means this. It means he is worthy, and we have every reason to give him thanks. All right? You ever feel like, I just don't want to say thank you? Somebody ever done something for you and you just hated the fact that they did it? Oh, I can't believe they did that for me. And so within you, you're just this, this tension. I know I should say thank you, but I just, I can't stand you. I'm just not feeling it right now. 
or you should have to do that for me anyway. Maybe sometimes you just don't feel like saying thank you to the Lord. Right? Is it about how we feel? No. To say that it's good is to say that it's right. Right? It's to say that it is the right thing to do whether we feel like it or not. And so here the psalmist says it's right to praise the Lord and to make music to your name. So for you and I sometimes we may come together and we may think I just don't feel like singing today. You know what? It's good which means it's what? It's right. It's right to praise the Lord whether we're feeling it or not. Whether we like the vibe or not. It's right. It's good for us to sing, to praise, or to give thanks to the Lord. And so if I'm withholding that, what does that mean? It means it's not what? It's not good. And in this context, it means it's not right. Right? To withhold means that I'm not bringing to him what he deserves. And so it's about responsibility. It's about an expectation. Right? All creation, we'll hit this later this month, but all creation has been created for the purpose of bringing glory to God. All sings his praise. The mountains, the trees, the animals, the storms, the winds, all these things sing the praise of God. Angels, the saints, all the earth declares that God is good because that's right. That's how it's been created. That's how it's been intended. And so initially when we say it's good to give thanks, it means it's right. It is our responsibility whether we feel like it or not. So how does that make you feel? Give me thanks whether you want to or not. It's kind of like, mm, I don't know that I'm buying that. I don't know that I really want to be a part of that. Well, that's not all that that word means. Okay? Sometimes we don't feel it. It's still right to give thanks. But sometimes then we may have an ability to identify with it a little bit more. So that's the next word we're going to look at here. That is the word privileged. Privileged. So lots of people on this planet... Right? Lots of people on this planet. Lots of people on this planet that we simply do not have access to. So case in point, was anybody invited to watch the fireworks from the balcony of the White House? And I mean the White House. Not is your house white. So none of us were invited, right? So to be invited, we would say that is that's privileged. And somebody would have to grant us access. We can't just walk in there. Lots of people have tried to hop the fence and get in. Occasionally they have, but usually they're handled. And they're not welcomed, right? They're arrested. They're taken to jail, all right? For whatever they've done, there's going to be some penalty because they've not been granted access. That's true with lots of people on this planet. There are lots of kings, world leaders, rulers, uh, queens, we, just, we can't just walk up to them and start talking to them because we don't have access. So when you think of the word privilege, think of that word access. Do you have access to God? You and I have been given access to God through whom? Through Jesus, right? You remember Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one what? No one comes to the Father except through me. And so what he's saying is, I am your access. Right? Jesus also said in the book of John that he is the gate or he's the door, which is to say he's the only way in. Right? He has granted us this privilege, this access to be able to come to God and give him thanks. So when we sing a song, I will enter your, your gates with thanksgiving in my heart, what that should help us see is that we have been granted access and that makes us a privileged people. Right? Jesus has paved the way. In the book of Ephesians, you'll see that we've been given access. In the book of Romans, Paul writes and says that 
We stand in this faith by the access that Jesus has given us. The book of Hebrews, two or three different times, talks about access that we've been given through Jesus Christ. You remember when he was crucified? Lots of things happened there when he died. What was one of the things that happened in the temple? There was a veil that was torn in two, which means what? We now have access. We are a privileged people. And so it's not just responsibility. It's not just expectation. It's that you are welcomed. Right? You are welcome. I want you to come to me. I want you to understand that it's good for you to know who I am. And it's good for you to praise me. And so we are privileged. So when it says it's good to give thanks, it's right. And it's privileged. We've been given access. And it's also personally satisfying. Psalm 34 verse 8. You know that verse well. Sometimes it's on the front of a cookbook. Taste and see what? That the Lord is good. You know what that means? It means see for yourself. See for yourself. You pursue the Lord. You seek him with an open heart. What you're going to find is that he is not only is he good... But it's good for you and I to give him thanks. So there is some personal satisfaction there that comes when we, when we express thanks. And that's what the psalmist is doing right here. He's going to express thanks and it's like it brings this full circle. Kind of like Jesus prayed, I, I, I pray that their love or our love will be made complete in them. That it's fulfilled, it's finished. I pray that their joy, their gladness will come full circle as they understand the importance of expressing thanks. So here's how he says in verse 4, For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. Right? This is an expression of thanks. I've got to just tell you, thank you. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. And so it is personally experienced further as it is personally expressed. Have you ever just had a moment where you had to tell somebody thank you? You're like, I just, I can't go out of this room until I tell them thank you. Here at our camp a couple weeks ago, at the, end of the ser- at the end of the service Thursday night, we usually gather around a kind of a bonfire and, and just recap our week. What were some of the highs of the week? What are some things you learned? What are some things you've enjoyed? And then we c- conclude that with what are some God moments that you've had this week? And so this year we had like the winds and the storms and so all that was just kind of weird. You know, we ended up having service in the cafeteria, which was odd. We ended up having our bonfire in the gym, which was kind of odd. You know, the ambiance just wasn't there like it usually is on a Thursday night where you're sitting around a fire kind of thing. And so everybody had highs and it was kind of light-spirited. But when it came time to share what's been a God moment this week, it was just quiet. And so I said, listen, we're not going to linger. You know, if it's just not something that you're comfortable sharing or you don't want to share right now, that's fine. And so nobody shared anything. So I just prayed and dismissed. We started to pass out t-shirts and they were going to start signing their shirts. Well, there were a few girls that came up to me right after we started to dismiss. And they said, hey, uh, Mr. Corey, we just wanted to tell you thank you for this week of camp. Now, for everything, we know it took a lot of work to put, put this on. And we just appreciate all the work that you guys put into this. And so I told him, thank you. Well, this middle girl, Taylor, was, you could tell she wanted to say something. She just wasn't sure if she wanted to say it. And so she kind of stood there for a minute. 
And I was about to walk away. And then she said, I just wanted to tell you that, you know, Sunday night when we got here, you said one of your prayers is you hope that we are leaving different, differently than the way that we came Sunday. That God has met us here and we're, we're going home with a new commitment or a new understanding. And she said, I don't speak very well. I get nervous talking in front of people. And I hope you weren't disappointed that other people didn't say anything. But I just had to tell you that I'm leaving differently tomorrow than the way that I came here. Right? And I could see it as she is telling me thank you. It is like completing her joy. There's a satisfaction that's there. I could see it in her eyes. I could hear the quiver in her voice and the sincerity there. Like it meant something to her. Now she didn't need to tell me that at all. But what I'm trying to help us see is that when we express it, it furthers the joy. It furthers that satisfaction. We've all had this moment where we just wanted to, we wanted to worship in a way where we thought people around us would think we're crazy if we did that. You ever been there? You wanted to stand up when everybody else was sitting. Or you wanted to clap your hands. Or you wanted to shout. Or you wanted to do something because... What you were expressing was so rich and was so vibrant and was so alive in you. And then when we didn't do that, when we stifled it or quenched it, what happens? It's just like, it's like it's gone. And then we sit there and why didn't I? And we guilt ourselves and we beat ourselves up over that. See, when I withhold my expression, I'm actually working against my own satisfaction in God. But when I express things, it's the, it brings that thing full circle. And so yes, it's good and that it's right and I'm supposed to do it. And yes, it's good and that it is privileged. I've been given access and I need to always be mindful that I don't come into the throne room because I'm good, but because Jesus has granted me, privileged me with access. But as I express that, whatever it is, conversation and prayer and song, then it's bringing my joy full circle. Right? It's filling my cup. And it continues to fill as I continue to express. And that's what I read here in this psalmist. From the psalmist. You make me glad by your deeds, Lord. He's expressing how thankful he is to God for what he knows to be good in the Lord. And so it's good and it's right and it's privileged. And it's personally satisfying when you and I give thanks to the Lord. So really before we go on, I just want to ask you a couple questions here. And feel free to answer me. So, first of all, what is something that stirs gladness in you? When you think about it, what's something that stirs gladness in you? I'm thinking of a something at this point. We'll get to someone in just a minute. But what, is there something that when you're around it, when you're doing that, um, when you think about it, it just stirs gladness in you? Anybody got something? I'll share here initially, just briefly. We were at my mom and dad's for the Fourth uh, of July day after, and uh, went out on the lake, right? Just playing out on the water, and we're playing in this basin that I grew up playing in, and it's the same basin that my dad grew up playing in. And so my aunt Penny and Uncle Dick, well, my grandma and grandpa used to own this house on the lake. My aunt Penny and Uncle Dick bought it from them, and then they sold it. And we still don't speak to Aunt Penny. Why did you sell that house? 
But I can remember, and we drive past that dock, and I can just see myself holding that inner tube, running off that dock, and just, you know, landing in the water and ricocheting off that thing. Or swimming out to the no-wake buoys and back. I could just, like, feel the water sitting there, and it's like I'm watching my children play in the same thing. So there was just, when I was thinking about all the good memories there, uh, it just kind of made me glad. Now, I've got lots of water memories. But, so that's a something that I think of, that I just thought of here recently. Kind of, it just, when I think about it, it makes me glad. So if you've got something like that, what's something that you've got just makes you glad? Yes. Yeah. So seeing those 21 or 22 people up here just took you right back to all the good memories, not only of the start, but everything that was a part of that, I'm sure, yeah. Anybody else? Something, something you think about, and it just like, ah. I mean, it could be as simple as, I just love my dog, or I love my cat. I don't have either. But maybe you do. Maybe that, when you think about that, that just stirs gladness in you. What do you, what do you have? Okay, just getting to see and spend time with your family. Anybody else? Love home. No place like home, right? Yep. So even now, you may not want to say it, but you're thinking of something, and it's probably putting a little smile on your heart. Your mind might even be drifting a little bit as you're thinking about some good memories or some good times or what's upcoming as you consider something that you have. Well, let's go to a someone then. Is there someone in your life Maybe currently or someone who was in your life that just when you think about them, you could just kind of get lost there for a while. Just You could be having the worst day and that person's name come to mind and it just kind of settles you like, oh man, I'm so thankful for that person. You got somebody like that? I would say that's probably your spouse, right? Or was your spouse, as you think about the blessing that God had given you for whatever time it was, never long enough. But as you think about them, it just kind of just makes you smile, maybe makes you laugh as you reminisce about some good moments that you've had and makes you thankful. Now, there's probably some other names that come to mind and they don't stir those kind of thoughts, right? But... There are people in our lives, and when we think about them, we're just like, oh, man, thank you so much. Your husband or your wife or your children. I think that when I think of my church family, that just kind of makes me at rest. It just makes me smile. Um, and you just got to tell people thank you. You, know, you want to express that because of what they've done in your life. I remember the, there's a lady I see, not very often, but when I do see her, I always tell her thank you. And really what I tell her, I said... Thank you for being patient with me. 
and for putting up with me when I was just a little punk kid. Her name's Donna. And Donna weathered years as a Wednesday night teen Bible study leader of trying to get us on track and trying to get our attention and trying to lead our hearts to the Lord. And she modeled that in this quiet demeanor and her love for the Lord. And so now when I see her, I just apologize to her. I'm so sorry. I was such a punk. I, I wrecked most Wednesdays what you came prepared to do because I didn't have a clue. I wanted to see my friends and just goof off. And, um, and so when I see her, that's just that always comes to mind. Thank you. Thank you. Well, before we move on, I just want to leave this with you. When, when you hear the name Jesus, or when you think about him, can you get lost there? And we've thought about some of the things that we love and some of the people that we enjoy. When, when, when someone talks to you about the Lord, or when your mind is caught up in a thought about God, can you just sit there and, and again, just kind of be overwhelmed with thanks? Where I just, I just got to tell you thank you again. See, that's where this psalmist is. He knows personally. He's experienced some of these things that we're getting ready to talk about personally in his mind. When he thinks about the Lord, I just got to say thank you. And I can say it over and over and over again. All right, well, giving thanks to God is good. It's right, it's privileged, it's personally satisfying. Right here, secondly, giving thanks to God is going to be compelled. There's a driving force behind it, and that is when we think about how great he is, and specifically here the, the psalmist highlights his great love and his great faithfulness. And so these are the compelling factors of him saying thank you. And so he knows that it's good, as he thinks about the Lord, then this is what he is thinking about. I'm thinking about your love and I'm thinking about your thankfulness. So when you and I are commanded and have been commanded to go make our beds, we probably weren't thinking, you know, oh, I love my mom for making me go make my bed. Uh, or take out the trash. That probably doesn't stir that as well. Or pay your taxes. Uh, it's right to give thanks, but here's what's compelling that. It's because of the love and of the faithfulness of God. And so here is what the psalmist says. This is verse 2. I'm proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. These are the things that I'm considering. Your love and your faithfulness. And what that is drawing out of me is I have to tell you thank you. As I think about who you are and I get caught up in that, I could just get lost there. I could talk for hours. I could talk for hours about lake experiences or water experiences, being in an ocean or a river or playing in a puddle. And lots of stories there and just lots of good memories. Can I say the same thing as I think about the Lord? Do I get lost in his love? Do I just, am I overwhelmed again and again and again that he continues to be faithful and faithful and faithful? That's where our friend the psalmist here is this morning. So the driving force behind thanksgiving on our lips was the consideration of the love and faithfulness towards him. And both of these words are action words. Right? Love is an action word. Faithfulness is an action word. It means that I'm doing something. There are feelings associated with both. I was watching a show here recently. I can't remember what it was now. Uh, the last man standing is what it was. And one of the daughters supposedly is 
in love. And so she's talking to her sisters and trying to get some advice. How do you know when you're in love? And you know what her advice was or what they said? Oh, you just know. You'll just feel it. Now, are there feelings that go along with love? Sure. But if you just base that on that, all right, feelings can fluctuate. Sometimes they're high and sometimes they're low. And so maybe it's I love you a lot and I guess I don't care for you anymore. Or I guess we were in love and it was just kind of this cosmic thing that we couldn't resist. And now the feelings faded a little bit. So I guess, you know, the cosmos are telling us that we no longer need to be together. I need to find that, that next. I need to move on. But love is a, it's an action word. It's a demonstration. We read about it this morning. John 15, Jesus was talking about love. And he says, well, greater love is no one than this, that you feel love for somebody. No, it wasn't about feeling right. It was about laying down your life for somebody. And he says, I lay down my life for you, you who are my friends. So it's, it's an action word. Faithfulness is also an action word. We sing that song here, Never Once. How many times has God been, un- or been faithful? Always. How many times has he been unfaithful? Never once, right? And so he's just that consistent, loving, faithful, day in and day out God. And he's displayed that faithfulness day in and day out. He's never relented there. So he continues to display what it means to be faithful. It's an, it's an action word. So if you say, oh, my car is faithful, it's dependable, what you're saying is, it's going to get me from A to B. Some of you have been to Yellowstone National Park. There's a geyser there, and what's it called? Old Faithful. You can set your clock by it. It's just what it does, all right? It's called Old Faithful because of what it does. And so when you think about the faithfulness of God, you think about what He does. When you think about the love of God, think about what He does. And that's what we read earlier as well. And when I consider your deeds, what you've done, it turns my heart to want to express thanks. And so the psalmist is giving thanks because of what God has done. But he's going to go further than that. And this is important here this morning as well. He didn't just focus on the action. He focused on the thought behind the action. So let's read it. How great are your works. That's the action. Verse 5. How great are your works, Lord. But what? How profound your thoughts. Every action is driven by a thought. Right? It's that should I or shouldn't I. And I do something because I thought about it. Or I'm not going to do something because I gave it a little bit of thought. So your works are great, but even greater than that is the fact that you had a thought about what you wanted to do before you ever did it. So is God ever good accidentally? Oops. Is that your post? Oops, I did it again. Oops, I was just good to you again. Sorry, I didn't expect that to happen. Is it coincidental? No. It's always intentional. So anytime you and I have experienced the love and faithfulness of God, that all started with a God thought. So think about that for a minute. God is sitting somewhere, wherever he is, he's everywhere, and he is contemplating his next move. And he already knows how he's going to show you love. He already knows how he's going to be faithful to you and I. It's a thought on his mind. We haven't experienced it yet, but he's already thought about it. To me, that's one of those things that's almost too much to contemplate. It's like I can't hardly take that in. It's one thing to experience it, but the fact that you thought about me before you ever did that is, is almost overwhelming. And so anytime you experience kindness, 
That was a thought before it was an action from God. Anytime you and I experience forgiveness, that was a thought before it was an action. Anytime we are refreshed or we find hope or our joy is made complete, that was a thought of God before it ever became a blessing that we received where we said thanks for it. And he's ever mindful of you. He's ever mindful of us. That makes me understand Isaiah's thoughts here a little bit. Isaiah 55, 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm thinking towards you in ways you've never thought towards you is what he's saying. I see things that you don't yet see and I know exactly how I'm going to love you and lead you through that. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's a promise. And he knows exactly how he's going to fulfill that in every detail of our life. So we express thanks for being great in love and faithfulness. But we can express thanks as well because it's deeper than that. He thought about us first before he ever displayed either of those. So giving thanks to God, we do that. It's compelled by his great love and faithfulness towards us. And then third and last here, giving thanks to God, it's just a good way to start and end every day. You remember when Jesus told us, hey, in this world you're going to have trouble? That was John 16. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talked about how every day is going to have trouble of its own. You'll have opportunity every day to worry. You believe that? Every day you can worry about something. And it's going to come up. And my mind's going to be drawn that direction. And I'm going to start plotting and planning and trying to figure out because I can't let that happen. Or if I don't do this, it's not going to get done. And so I can get stressed. I can get overworked. I can get worried. That's why Jesus told us to do something first. You remember what he said to do first? He said, seek first the kingdom of God. Right? And his righteousness. And then all these other things. I'm going to take care of these things that want to cause you to worry. What you need to focus on is me. Seek me first. And so that's a good way to start and to end every day. And the author of this psalm is trying to encourage us to do the same thing. He says, I'm, oh, how good it is to sing praise to your name, O Most High. Verse 1, verse 2, proclaiming your love when? In the morning and your faithfulness at night. Morning and night. Right? Giving thanks. Morning and night, proclaiming that you are good. Morning and night, proclaiming that you are loving and you are faithful. So simply put, it's a good way to start and end every day. When we start our day, when you first wake up, man, it's good to say, God, thank you. Thank you for whatever rest I was able to get. Thank you for your mercy which allowed me to open my eyes and to understand that my body is sore. Or thank you that you allowed me to experience this first day of the week with my church family. Or thank you for the food that you've supplied. And when we close the day, thank you. Thank you for how you saw me through, how you sustained me. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for the reminders. Thank you for your peace or your comfort or joy or whatever it is that he may have put in your bucket that day the psalmist says we've got reason every day all day to say thank you now I think also wrapped up in this is not just about every day but it's it's the season or it's the stages of of life so when I start my life and as I end my life and all through my life as a Christian I can be saying thank you so we're going to see this here back in verse 14. Uh, back in verse, I believe it's verse 11. 
It's verse 12 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon. And so here then, verse 14, that they is speaking about the righteous. And so we could say the righteous will still bear fruit when? In old age. Does that resonate with anybody? Does it sound like there's a hiccup there or a maybe this will happen? Or if people will allow it, then this will be how it works for you. There's none of, there's no hesitation in that whatsoever. The righteous will still bear fruit in old age. And guess what else? They will... You don't believe it. You're looking at that and going, that ain't true. That is a modern translation. That is not what God meant. That I, I don't feel fresh and green at all. This is talking about our spirit. Our body's going to fade. But as I walk with the Lord and as I live each and every day in His love and His faithfulness and I continue to express thanks, I'm just continuing to be freshened. I'm continuing to be green. Though my body may fade, my spirit is just growing and it should be more and more joyful, more and more purposed. And so I love this here. They will, the righteous, they will still bear fruit. Some people may want to put us on a shelf and say, no. Now, you've had your day, your time's done, it's our day. That's not what God says. Green, fresh, still bearing fruit. What's that mean? It means even in old age, we can walk with the Lord and be glad. Every day, morning and night. You say, my body hurts. God, thank you for a body. Thank you for the ability to feel. Oh, my mind is kind of slow. Well, thank you. Thank you that I can still function. Every day is a reason to stop and be fresh, be green, walk with the Lord and be glad. To still bear fruit in old age can also mean that we have hope every day. Listen, no one should be more hopeful on the planet than those who are older. Because if you've walked longer with the Lord, you understand how faithful He is. It doesn't matter what the world's doing. The world doesn't dictate God. God is God. He's going to do what He's going to do. Right? The world doesn't have any say-so over God and what He is and how He's going to display His power and how He's going to fulfill His plan. Nobody can stop His hand. Not a soul. Not an army. Not a country. Not the world. So if anybody should be echoing in the ears of the younger the thanks of God, it should be those here referred to as still bearing fruit in old age. See, what the younger needs to hear from the older is that the potential of God is more present today than it's ever been. Rather than doom and gloom or how terrible it is or how wrong it is. As I walk more and more with the Lord, understanding His power and potential should be something that grows closer and closer to my lips. And I can wake up every day knowing that I've got purpose. What is my purpose today? I can't do what I once could do. Okay. What's the text say? You can still bear fruit in old age. You can be fresh and green. So what can you do? You now it's easy to get down on ourselves and to think, well, I can't do what I once could do. That's identifying the problem. Let's talk about a solution. What can we do? What's one thing you can do today to still bear fruit? Well, I can think about how God has loved me. I can think about how He's been faithful to me. I can find somebody younger than me and just try to tell them my story. Pass it on. So this is who I was, and this is what God's done for my life. Man, that will resonate with somebody that's a believer. 
And I believe God can work in your life. He's the same God today that he was back when, he first, when I first met him. Talk about the potential and power. Talk about days of purpose. All this really says is you still are useful. Still useful. Just as useful as anybody else on the planet. Now whether you buy that or not, that's between you and God. But that's what God's telling you. They will still bear fruit. The righteous, they will be fresh and they will be green. And so what that should say then is every day, regardless of our age, regardless of what we're going through, every day is a day to give God thanks. And every moment, wake up in the morning, proclaim your love. Before I go to bed at night, I'm going to proclaim your faithfulness. Psalm 113, it says it this way, From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. All day long, every day, whatever part that you're positioned on the planet, it's a day to give thanks. And so I pray that we'll be known as people who are thankful people, grateful people, and who express that in multiple ways uh, in conversation and song and prayer and giving, serving, young age, old age, new to the faith, been faith for a long time, that we will be people known as people that give thanks all day, every day. So is Thanksgiving a day on the calendar? It is. But is today a day of thanksgiving? Yeah, every day is. Every day is. And so I don't need to wait till November 22nd to try to be very thankful for what I can be refreshed in today. It's good to give thanks. Which is to say that it's right, it's privileged, and it's personally satisfying. And what we've just said is, is that it's something that's good for us each and every day. So what's my role? What's your role? Very simply, our role is to be mindful. I've got to take some time to think about God's love. I've got to take some time to think about God's faithfulness. What that means is I've got to linger for a while. If I hurry through my day, uh, it doesn't matter how old you are. There's always something that will buy your time throughout the day. You know, my parents have said, well, man, we're not, our life isn't as busy as your life is now. No, it's not. But you still find stuff to do every single minute of every day. And it happens. Some of you said, I'm retired. I don't know how I had time to work. Because every day has a way of buying our time. So there's always something to get done that day. The psalmist just reminds us, hey, start your day with the Lord. Most of the time, almost every time when you see Jesus going out to pray, he went out early in the morning. Right? In the cool of the morning and while it was still dark. Several texts there just saying he starts his day that way. Otherwise, the day takes off and it's easy to walk through the day without being mindful of the Lord. You know, maybe today is that day for you. It's the first day of Thanksgiving. Maybe today is the day to start. Hey, I'm going to, every morning, I'm going to wake up with and I'm going to start my day with you. I'm going to give you thanks. Before I walk out of here, I'm going to spend some time thinking about your love and faithfulness to me. And as we pray, I'm going to thank you for those things. Before I go to bed tonight, I'm going to have on the forefront of my mind the goodness of God throughout this day and how it's been good for me to give him thanks. And that last thought I'm just going to leave you with, does the thought of Jesus, does that stir in you a joy that you just need to express? And when you hear his name, just like when you hear your loved one's name or when you get to do something that you love to do, when you hear the name Jesus, are you just drawn 
like where you could just daydream for hours about his love and his faithfulness to you. Am I drawn? If not, maybe perhaps it would do us a little well to linger a little bit longer over who he is and what he has done for us.